0: You see, kids, Jack Miller winning in MotoGP is a bit like the London buses. You wait a long time and then two come along at once. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 305, the MVP edition of Motorsport 101. Glad you could join us. Um, And uh, yeah, we, we had... Uh, absolute chaos in MotoGP for the first time in four years we went flag to flag baby and uh it was exactly how a MotoGP flag to flag race goes utter mayhem big gaps and some surprises but uh the one thing that wasn't a massive surprise Jack Miller wins I know that's really strange to say in 2021 but here we are uh but uh, with me as always on this show we got we got Ryan King hello sir
1: Yes, uh three oh five, doing it for pitbull this week. Or doing it for Formula one because that's the exact distance of an F one race. Probably oh, yeah. this one's for this one's for Pitbull,
0: Dale. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Worldwide himself. And uh <laughs> King, we 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 have reason to celebrate. The 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 Knicks are the fourth seed. Congratulations, sir.
1: (laughs) Home court advantage against you get a home playoff
0: series. (laughs) The Knicks not only made the playoffs; they get a home playoff (laughs) series. I'm just (laughs) like after years of rinsing King on this podcast over his beloved Knicks, they're actually good—like really good. There, there's, uh, a
1: lot of, there's a lot of people I can thank for this But <laughs> I, I think I gotta thank The new Recent fandom Of one
0: Scott McLaughlin I think that's what put us over the top this year I did see that I saw him on Twitter it was like, Oh he's adopted <laughs> the Knicks I was like well oh, you could do a lot worse I suppose <laughs> Um You could pick the Boston Celtics Isn't that right Cam mm.
2: <laughs> uh... <laughs>
1: Well, uh. Oh.
3: oh. You know, like the, uh. Like the Tottenham Spurs video from many a year ago. We're fucking shit. We're I like, I like shit. how he's called it.
2: He's like. I like how he's called them the the ham Spurs for the second straight episode. I
3: don't I love care. It. It's a I don't commitment care to the bit.
1: Like, which, I, which, which, by the I way, if, you, if Being you a ever...
3: Celtics fan has <laughs> torched all of my goodwill. And I, I didn't like, have much to give.
2: I, was I like, gotta say, though, calling them the <laughs> Hamspurs, though, sounds like an incredible diss if you know somebody who's a Tottenham
0: supporter and you just right. want to give them a, the ultimate disrespect. <laughs> Oh dear! And you know what? With Tottenham, it fits. And you know what's funny? We're recording this the same day Harry Kane hands in a transfer request. It all just <laughs> fits. <laughs> it all it all just comes together. That's why I love hosting this show. Uh, it's it, it's art, every everybody. Uh, we love we love to see it. Speaking of which, RJ O'Connell, hello, sir. How you doing? Howdy. great to be back. Uh, no developments going on
2: whatsoever. Just Ready for a for another normal day of podcasting with no other stuff going on whatsoever, N- none that I All can right. think of.
0: All right, RJ, it's, it's the intro. You can stunt a little bit on us on us hoes. What's uh, been going on in in the O'Connell household lately? Um, well, besides cleaning up the apartment, uh,
2: making dinner you know, straightening up the restrooms for company come over. I also write about IndyCar now for racefans.net. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I have a job <laughs> writing about stuff. Uh, this is, this is equal parts exciting and terrifying at the same time.
0: <laughs> no, I, I think I could, I think I speak on behalf of all of our co-hosts and all of our supporters. And we say, congratulations, you fucking man. Um, we're very proud of you and you are going to crush this. Um, if, if you attack it with half the charisma and charm that you do on this show, you are going to ace it, my friend. I have no doubt in my mind. You're in, a, you're in very good hands uh, over there. And uh, I, I told Hazel specifically to take good care of you. And uh, you'll be fine. I promise. <laughs> thank you, Hazel. And thank you, Keith, for
2: helping me with this. Feels awesome. Yeah, well, what were you talking well, about on the show today?
0: Well, on, on, on Amazingly, we're talking about some IndyCar. Um, Who who'd have funk it? it? Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll also be talking Shock. about MotoGP. We're talking about MotoGP's French Grand Prix as well. Um, of course, uh, big drama at the front. Jack Miller, a surprise Frenchman on the podium, and no, not Fabio Quattararo believe it or not. Johan you know, Zarco was there too. Um, a a a nutty race for Mark Marquez. We'll be talking about as well because for the first time in over six hundred days. He led a MotoGP race. Unfortunately, that's when the good news kind of ran out. Um, more on that later. We'll be talking about King's favorite topic, stewarding. Because <laughs> this read its 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 ugly head in, 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 a, in a couple of the classes as well. There's some discussion there that I thought was interesting regarding that. And we'll be talking... IndyCars Grand Prix of Indianapolis, uh, where, I can't believe I'm saying this, the third new winner this season already, and we're only five rounds in, as uh, Renus VK took took his first series win, and we got a spin move on the podcast, yes, I knew somebody would come through, thank you RJ, King, you let me down there. I forgot Uh, I (laughs) forgot
3: to move my stuff so I could do it.
0: Oh, I'm I'm disappointed in all of you except RJ. Oh, oh, my RJ chair is, is doesn't swivel.
1: I didn't have oh. an option. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. Yes. We did it.
0: Yes. We did yes. It. <laughs> to be fair, I'd have done it myself with my brother's getting his room renovated, so I've got like I'm literally surrounded by like a ton of his stuff. So like I literally have not I, got the space for it. I have a but, literal sim rig next to me. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's understandable. Um, so we'll be talking about that. You're not special,
2: Zika. Cam. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, uh, you're very
2: special to us,
0: but <laughs> I'm also got the same me. Well, well, well oh, no, to no, no.
3: Tell me, tell me how you really feel.
0: <laughs> the, <laughs> before we get into a uh, sim rig measuring contest, we'll also be talking about that, and obviously, probably the I the, the other. <laughs> the other major big story coming out of IndyCar, Romain Grosjean, and uh, not uh, not only his first pole position in the series, but also a awesome drive to a to a first podium finish for him, and uh, yeah, a, a a very dramatic weekend for him in in all the good positive ways, which we like around here. Um, so all of that in the next hour or so, but let's get the housekeeping out of the way. Places you can find this real quick: we're on YouTube.com forward slash motorsport 101 if you're watching us on youtube hi hit the subscribe button hit the bell notifications all that good stuff um if you haven't already you're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 or on twitter at motorsport underscore 101 and if you like to find our personal handles if you're watching the youtube they're on the screen right now they're also in the description but if not we're at harrison 101 hd at rj o'connell at ryan eric king and at c buckley 917 we're on instagram motorsport 101 pod rj show off the yes beautiful yes the Instagram account is there, Motorsport101 Pod. Follow us on there for updates, some, some sneak bits, some funny intros, and all that fun stuff. That's on there as well. And uh, yeah, if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five dollars gets you early access to all of the audio editions of our show. You can upgrade to the video version for ten bucks. And you can listen to these shows live as they're being recorded. And get into this work on our Discord server as well. So all of that fun stuff and more in there. Check it out. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. I do occasionally stick the odd episode up there for just a buck as well. So stick around. Even if it's not at $5. You never know. I feel generous every once in a while. Anyway. After this, we'll get into MotoGP's French Grand Prix. As mentioned, this was MotoGP's first flag-to-flag race in four years. It was a race that started dry, rained about four laps in with a torrential downpour, and by the time we got to the end, it was pretty much bone dry again. Um, It was Jack Miller that pretty much led almost every lap from start to finish, believe it or not. He had a little bit of early pressure from Maverick and, and Fabio, but once the rain came down, there was no stopping him, despite a interesting double long lap penalty for speeding in the pit lane. Both factory jacallis were guilty of that crime on that one. Um, oof, and that was a, a, a spicy one, to say the least. Um, we had that. We had Johan Zarco coming through the field to finish in second. I think that's the fifth time he's finished second in his career. He's getting really frustrated that the first win isn't coming. And Fabio Quattararo finishing third, and if if you saw the celebration over the line he was punching his fuel tank like he just won the championship. Um, more on that later. Um, let's give you a little fun quote about it. He said honestly it was the strangest race of my life because I was in P3. It was starting to rain and in the beginning Maverick and Jack were taking it a bit carefully so I think the guys could catch me through this. I took it carefully. I got the wrong bike. More on that in a minute. I was going to jump on Maverick's bike so I just ran to my bike but it was a great experience and most most of all we didn't expect to make the podium in this condition. He was adamant that if the rain if it was a wet race, he wasn't finishing top three. And he did. Um a, a great result for Fabio in the context of the championship, but we gotta talk about Jack Miller first. Um we, we talked about it just a couple of weeks ago, how you know it was his first win in nearly five years, and now he's gone back to back and he's right back in the title picture. So gentlemen, are we talking about Jackass the the title threat?
1: Oh Lord! Anytime you bring up title threat, you immediately you know think about what are the upcoming rounds in the calendar, and oh Lord, it's looking pretty good for Jack Miller. What's for the, what's, what's next King? <laughs> Uh Isn't isn't it the the Red Bull Race? No, it's it's, it's uh, Mugello. Yes. Oh oh yeah, Mugello. How could I forget? Because the same day as
0: Indianapolis. Oh yeah. Uh, day is gonna be a bit different this year, but um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, both
3: races might actually be a classic this time. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> needs more electricity. But um, <laughs> but, uh, but Cam, do you do you do you what what do we make of Miller here? It's looking cushy for Miller at the moment.
3: It's looking good. He's he's kind of emerged as, if not the more consistent of the two factory Ducatis. Certainly the faster on race day. Peko still has monster one lap pace when he can uh, mm. when he can use it. But considering the next two tracks, it's not it's not out of this out of the world to think of Jack going four on the bounce here. Because Mugello, yes. he's been good round there, Ducati's good round there, and then mm. Austria, which is, you know, more or less, the Ducati drone these days. I yeah. should
2: point out that the next round after Mugello is Catalonia. Then we get the okay. Saxon Ring, Asin, and then well, why the Double I think speaker? that was next?
0: You're thinking th- F1 I'm th-
3: again, I'm, Cam. <laughs> yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking... I don't know why, I mean...
2: Well, ugh. MotoGP is the Formula 1 of bikes. Or is Formula 1 the MotoGP of cars? Who knows? Yes.
3: <laughs> um... <laughs> I think if he can continue just racking up the results that he has been, that he's proved that he can on this bike, there's no reason why he can't challenge for the title.
0: Yeah, which is which really is amazing given. And, uh, yeah, I was, was going to say him is Fabio at the front of the field really hmm.
3: so far this year, staying uh, at the front of the field.
0: What? i was say it's it's funny. He's still the third highest ranking Ducati in the championship right now because Banyaya and Zarko are still in front of him. (laughs) But uh, there's something to be said about about momentum, to say the least. I mean, RJ, you saw the highlights just now again for the second time. What did you make of it all? Uh, That was certainly an interesting race. I I
2: wouldn't have predicted Jack Miller uh, to come out victorious after a double long lap penalty, but... You know, once that track started to dry out and once Fabio Corderaro's began to take on the consistency of a of a freshly grated Parmesan cheese.
3: Mm. Um, oh, that soft front just, just checking, cooked in the
2: track. Checking out. <laughs> Two wins on the bounce. You know, I don't know if maybe he can. I think three in a row is possible. I certainly think, I think he could certainly rattle off three of
0: the Nets five, three of the Nets six even. Maybe. Maybe. Yamaha tends to go well at Catalunya. Uh, that, that could be interesting to keep an eye on as well. Fabio, I think, did win there last year as well. So it's it's starting to space out at the front. I mean, we didn't have time to mention guys like Suzuki having a horror weekend and whatnot on their way down. Yeah, the road Suzuki
3: had the weekend from hell. Two crashes yeah. for Rins,
0: big crash for Mir, no mm. points. Indeed. And on the other end of that title scale, we go back to the man who's now leading the championship again, and that's uh, that's Fabio Quattararo, who leads the championship right. by a single point over Francisco Bagnaia, who stormed through to fourth in the end. I mentioned it. If you haven't seen it, the celebrated again. He he I've never seen a man celebrate third so hard ever in my <laughs> Like Fabio was so delighted he literally drank champagne out of Jack Miller's shoe. Um, <laughs> ah the shoe he returned. Uh, what f- year is it, folks? 20- 20 I'm not uh, I'm not Hobie drinking champagne.
3: <laughs> I'm not drinking champagne out of a shoe unless it's the undefeated
0: Kobe 5s. But uh, in (laughs) in in the context of the championship and in the context of Yamaha probably being pretty slow most of the weekend, besides a freakish qualifying, just how important a podium was that for Fabio?
3: Huge. He just had surgery. Comes off the surgery for arm pump. Finishes third. This is very important for Fabio to just needed
2: that after Perez literally slipped out of his failing arm.
3: Yeah. This was, if if, the, if it had come back this race, we have major concerns about his health for the rest of the mm. year. It didn't. He, you know, once the track dried, Ducati dropped that uh, high horsepower anvil from the sky on them going down the main straight. But to get third, really, I think is the maximum result
2: he could have gotten. Yeah. Um, on so, what was not a good take game those. for Yamaha on a whole because Maverick Viñales just couldn't get together. You're looking at that's Valentino true. Rossi finishing a distant 11th. Like that's the second best outcome that Yamaha got because Franco Morbidelli crashed in the race, finished outside the points,
3: twisted just- the knee again.
0: Ah. Wow. Oh. Yeah, it was it was it was not a good weekend for Yamaha on the whole. So Fabio, their lead man coming in third was a a big big result. We've said it on this show many a time. It was a phrased first coin by our former host, Mr. Adam Johnson, who said, you, you don't win your titles on your good days. You win them on your bad ones. And uh, Fabio was ninth at this very Grand Prix in a very similar situation last year because the one was wet last year too. Um it wasn't a flag to flag, but it was fully wet for the whole way and he finished ninth that year. So to come back again a week off arm pump surgery and finishing third is uh, mighty impressive. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, back in, back in the lead of the championship, but, uh, not going away, Zarko's, uh, scored good points again this weekend.
3: Mm. Penaio was ridiculous in the final few laps, he was catching
2: Fabio to the tune of two seconds a lap. Yeah, if this race had been one more lap longer,
0: we'd have a different outcome at the top of this points table. Indeed, very, very interesting indeed, but, uh, yeah. Fabio's just going to keep racking those results up, and we'll see what happens when they hit Magello next weekend. That's going to be very interesting. Speaking of which, there there was there was one man here that we have to talk about, and uh, again, the man brings manages box office entertainment in every good and bad way imaginable, and that's Mark Marquez. And uh, <laughs> his race was uh, all over the place, Cam.
3: Yeah, um, the most spectacular race on the day, in every sense of the word, was from Mark Marquez. First time in a year and a half, about, was it, 600 days. About 600 days. Mark led a MotoGP race. Uh, had a quick uh, bike swap where he rushed the pit lane, actually distracted Fabio and pushed him into that mistake, pulling into the wrong garage. <laughs> got mm. on the bike got out into the lead, and started to ride away. And that's as good as it got, because he hit the white paint coming out of the Ford Chicanes, and, oh, we've seen this picture before. Mark Marquez being flung off of a bucking Bronco of a Honda into the gravel trap. Mm. Ugh. He got back on the bike, though. And in the wet conditions, he was a scarcely believable 1.6 seconds a lap clear of the entire field. (laughs) Passing people with reckless abandon, showing us the old Marquez tenacity. And then he crashed again. And this time he was down for good, lost the front uh, going through the Dunlop S's, and that was that said after the race, I was riding fast, maybe too fast. I didn't know the front riders were riding slower than me after the first crash. I was just riding, thinking about the recovering right arm and other things. On that lap, I was just informing the team that I was going into the box to change to slicks because I believe the track was ready. He crashed on his in-lap um, once the track was drying out. Oh. How would you guys assess Marquez's, let's say eccentric and erratic performance
2: from a writer's standpoint i would say he did everything that was asked of him this looked like mark marquez well and truly is back he's overriding his equipment he's fearless he's riding at a level that few can match on their best days from a pure riding perspective i think he did about as well as he could given the circumstances but can we talk about this before we start the show? Uh the, the MO for Honda has been We we can build whatever bike we want. Mark's just gonna ride around with problems. And it's 2021, and that still seems to be the case.
3: Well, Khanda knows they have a dog on their hand, and they're working on a fix. They tested a bike that was truly different. Uh in the last big test they had, I think two Mondays ago, but they're not allowed to use it because the engine is in a different place. You got different engine mounts. You have to change the engine casing. You can't do that this year. Trey, what do you think?
0: <sighs> um, I was going to say, if, and, and to be fair, we only took a small chunk of Marquez's post-race comments in the, in the script. He also mentioned later on that. Uh, he did take some solace from his pace. I don't like. I, said, I think he genuinely did not know he was a second and a half a lap faster than, than Jack Miller, who won the race. Um, he was the fastest man on track by miles. And uh, he, he's got to take a little... Again, this is the first race since coming back where it looked like it was the old Marquez again. And that works in both ways. That's the Marquez we know and appreciate. There are going to be days where he will bin it, trying to do spectacular things on a motorcycle. Like, if you're a Marquez fan, you've got to take the rough of the smooth sometimes because this is just who he is at this point. And he's going to try and handle the problems that that Honda inevitably will give him. They've not... Like, Honda's not had the best bike in MotoGP for seven years now. So, like, this is... Probably not since 2014, in my opinion. So the fact that, you know, Marquez is compensating for its problems is no, is nothing new. Um, And yeah, like this, this was an an excellent performance. If you take the crashes out of it, unfortunately, which is strange to say. It's kind of difficult to do that. But like, it's one of those races, the, the, the conditions are about as bad as you could realistically hope for in a MotoGP race, because it was just, it was slippery, it was treacherous, and Le Mans conditions are erratic. Probably the most erratic of any track on the calendar. So, you know, I'm not going to dunk on him too hard for crashing twice, because he's not the only guy who did. Um, no. But, you know, I think he needs to stop worrying about that arm so much and just just enjoy your riding again you know as best you can because I'm not used to Mark talking about having his headspace clouded thinking about the arm, thinking about all that other stuff so you know it's, it's a lot
1: okay yeah I like kind of thinking about the picture of Mark Marquez being the fastest guy on track and yes Marquez crashing is kind of a part of the experience but can you really say that Mark Marquez is back when he's struggling to finish races? Like, if if you can't finish a race, you can't score points. If you can't score points, you can't win the championship. Is Mark's title hopes over?
3: I don't think they're over, but I think he needs to, as King put it, he needs to start finishing races. And he needs to start finishing races well. This, I think, is... This race is more than anything proof that, okay, Mark still has all that speed. When he's on it, he's still the fastest motorcycle rider on planet Earth, and it's not even close. Mm -hmm. But now he's got to just start taking the points and and just see. It might come to him. Everyone else might start falling off their bikes. They did last year when they were all fighting each other. Mm Mm-hmm. He can't I would, keep force. Yeah. He can't try and force a, his way through the pack and win, because the Honda won't let him. It'll throw him off into the gravel every time. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: He needs to think like twenty. I think probably twenty sixteen, where where the Honda was a mess, but Yamaha's internal fighting. That was the last year of the Rossi Lorenzo partnership. Lorenzo had already had one foot out of the door by then. And Marquez took advantage of their errors and was consistent and didn't go a hundred percent all the way until after he won the title, and uh, that's what won in that twenty sixteen championship. He, he won that title early. Tell you that, <laughs> yeah, he, he won it three rounds early. He won it in Matagi Honda's backyard. Um, so yeah, that was a significant, a significant title win. Um to answer the the question about his championship hopes. Um, To borrow a phrase from another sport, we are probably in what I would say is the snooker's required phase. I.e. I mean, Fabio's not going away, and the problem now is is that Mark is 64 points behind Fabio Cotteraro, and he's already burned up five rounds to even be even further back than when he came back from his arm in the first place. So he's actually lost more ground since coming back. Oh, yeah. um, Like, for as much as
2: he needs to be consistent and just worry about... He's also in the point where he needs to start pressing for victories and racking them up at a consistent clip.
0: This is not an
2: enviable spot for him.
0: Yeah, he's, he's no. not he's not taking points out of Fabio yet. He was lucky in her effort, obviously, that Fabio's body failed him. But it's not like last year. Last year, Johan Mir took advantage of everyone in the top eight, beating each other up relentlessly. This is not that this year. This year, Fabio has emerged as a genuine, true contender, and the Ducatis are all looking strong. He's going to have to work very, very hard to get back up the order, most definitely, and that is... And that's a shame because I, I think Marquez could have won this race today in oh, or this past weekend. I think he could have easily won that race, even without the double switch that he was probably going to do. So this was a golden chance and um, it slipped through the fingers. And that you could see his reaction in the pit box after the race, he knew. He knew how important this one was. Two parallels of the same coin, him and Fabio. Fabio knew how important that third was and Marquez knew how important those two crashes were and um, how it played out over the course of the weekend, most definitely. Uh, King, it's it's your favourite. It's it's digging into the rule book. I'll save this one just for you. (laughs) Yes.
1: Uh well, yeah, the weekend in France uh also highlighted uh well, uh, another issue with stewarding in Moto GP that was I wouldn't say self-inflicted, but it's it's something that is a fairly recent innovation to Moto GP that has now become a headache for some. The long lap penalty Uh, Most contentiously, it affected uh, Fabio Giantonio in Moto2, where he was given uh, a long lap penalty for shoving off off Hector Garzo. And while taking the penalty loop, uh, he ran wide. And as it says in the regulations, if you go outside the double white lines, you have to take the penalty again. And it was divisive, to say the least. Uh, personally, I, I think the long lap penalty is still, uh, a useful tool for the stewards to use to penalize people, but obviously some people think it's outlived its usefulness. What do you, uh, you guys think about that? <laughs> I think,
3: I think it's the right solution given that if you get a drive through in MotoGP, it's the end of your race. Yeah. Just yep. point, point blank. Your race might as well be over. The long lap penalty punishes you to pe- different amounts depending on different tracks, but they try to get it
1: reasonably close everywhere. Like, it is... I think... It's, it's far more consistent than giving a penalty saying that you have to give up one position on track. Because you never know how far behind the bike behind you on track is. A long lap penalty is fairly static all the time.
3: Mm. Yeah, if you, if you drop a position, it could be one second, it could be five seconds. And uh, you're never going to get consistency out of that just from the nature of motorsport. Right. But uh, I, I tend to think that if the penalty has served its purpose... As his did, even though we ran wide, common sense should probably prevail that, you know, you served it. You didn't cut back in on the track and shortcut mm. that penalty. But
0: rules are rules, I guess. Yeah this is a I think this was a classic case of as the cricket fan in me would go the spirit of the rules here um and I don't normally like using this term because it's bullshit and and, and unfortunately it's one that only cricket fans swear by and um you know it's the rules of the rules unfortunately I think it's a rule that needs a little bit of discretion because if you watch the replay of it, DG goes around the outside of the white line. He didn't gain an advantage um, by going wide around the outside of the penalty lead, which for context was the bottom of the garage there. But giving him a second long lap penalty for failing to comply with the first... Um, I thought it was extremely harsh, um, especially given how treacherous the conditions were as well. Um, it was very greasy out there. It only just stopped raining um, after the Moto3 race, and I don't think the punishment really fit the crime on that one.
1: And I, I disagree, because you have to lay down the line somewhere, because you don't want people gaming how to take a penalty as fast as possible.
0: I guess, but uh, I, I, Yeah, I, but I, I feel like I, that's mm.
3: I feel like that's pretty clear cut that if you go to the inside of the white line you're clearly shortcutting the penalty section of the track. Right. If you go around if you go outside out of the outside of it because you carry too much speed in, that's self punishing in and of itself, because you might go out into the gravel and crash.
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't know how I feel on that one. I think that is it's a tricky one. Um, and like as King alluded to, the long lap is fairly consistent. I mean, again, it's not perfect because obviously every track is different. Every, you know, obviously it's a MotoGP's discretion as to where they put the penalty loop. Um, you know, some solutions are better than others, but. It's it's funny because I didn't have a problem with MotoGP using time penalties like they used to a couple of years ago. But the problem was is that the way they were working out the Deltas were inconsistent, so they just dropped it. <laughs> um, and it's the next point on our list. I'll address that a little bit further, but uh, I'm i not sure. because And the reason why I say I'm not sure is because The stewards are basically judge, jury, and executioner for an incident on track, and they can hit them with a punishment pretty much straight away, and with time penalties there's a bit more flexibility that you can add or take away after the fact, after a race is done. If you do a long lap penalty in the middle of a race, there's no going back, and some Incidents require some mitigation, like with what happened with the MotoGP race of Morbidelli and Pol There was fiery arguments between journalists about who to blame for that one, and I thankfully, I'm actually glad the stewards kept their hands in their pockets on that one because they could have easily thrown a penalty poles way on that one, and that would have really split the room. But I think, I think overall, I think time penalties are a, are a better and more consistent way of doing it. I actually like F1's model when it's executed properly compared to MotoGP. I'm not massively against the long lap. I just think it could be better in that sense. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I I think obviously people want to gravitate towards a long lap penalty because your position on track is where you are. It's not your position plus or minus a couple seconds. Mm. And you still get to see people race each other for position. Uh, then it, you don't really get that with time penalties.
3: Mm. Gives
1: us that moment, like uh, last year with the
3: long lap penalty at the bleeding edge of a tire. <laughs>
0: uh, Bruno, Johan Zarco, still art. Um, it, to It's to, 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 to play on to that point, like because we saw a lot of of, of long lap penalties again. Now we had a double long lap penalty for speeding in the pit lane from both Ducatis. Fabio Cuadarraro got hit with one for an an illegal bike swap because he parked it in in Maverick's garage. Um, That was a hilarious scene to watch on replay Um, on that one. And, of course, we mentioned DG Antonio's incident in Moto2 as well. I mean, going into a deeper conversation, given we've seen how the sport has changed it up over the years, is the steward in a problem? Because this is something that's come up a lot. We've had complaints about lack of communication as well. Um, Team bosses have already been mad about this at certain points as well. I mean, is this conducive to an overall problem?
1: Uh, Well, it's... It's kind of hard to say because you'd have to point out what that problem is.
0: Yeah, it's, it, it just seems to me is like, I, I I personally have this opinion that I think it's a bit strange that the long lap penalty has now become like the beacon of choice. And MotoGP has changed the way it punishes riders a lot in the last half decade. We went from the penalty point system, which was dumped after a year after what happened in 2015. We oh had... Oh, God. Yeah, you know how that ended. We had time penalties Someone for, a while a for yeah, for track limits and whatnot, and that was dumped, and now we've got the long lap penalty, and they. I'm not entirely sure the sport knows how to best discipline its riders. That's the problem I've got with this, and like inherently, a
1: lot of people who are voicing opinions about them having an issue with stewarding are people who are directly affected by stewarding. <laughs> the teams
0: um yeah there, there's Pause, been mem- <laughs> yeah, there's been many an explosive me in on that i mean how do you feel about it in general because it's obviously it's it's been a bit erratic over the years <sighs> it, it feels like once we
3: every time we settle into something that everyone feels good about that punishes people where they deserve to be punished fairly something comes in and tips it on its head and we scrap the whole system and start anew. (sighs) I am not the biggest fan of that approach because every system you put in place is going to have its pros and cons. Eventually, it's going to punish someone in their eyes unfairly. Mm. I tend to like, as I said, the long lap penalty because it has some modicum of consistency. You know how much you're going to lose. There is... I think it's better than time penalties for the reason that King said is you see the penalty happen on track. It's not it's not your race time plus a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And we've had that, and it's been ditched. And we had the penalty point system, which was ditched after it, rightly or wrongly, did affect the title race in twenty fifteen when someone got angry on Maine. <sighs> So I don't like, think there's any perfect solution. I'd like to see MotoGP stick with what they've got now, because I think it's probably the most fair solution. But all that, of course, that all depends on
0: how they execute those penalties. Indeed, indeed. Joe, you got any two cents on this one?
2: Um, just, yeah,
0: i just have to co-op
2: with, with what Cam says. I've, you know, i Ultimately, there are going to be very few universally accepted solutions that are going to punish, are going to make out the same level of punishment or consequences all the way across the board, regardless of circumstance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's always going to be that. I mean, we say this now, it's Monaco next week in Formula 1. There's going to be one wheelbang in there, and we're all going to get into a fight on Twitter as to how as to how it should be dealt. Someone is
3: going to choose violence into Sandovat, and everyone's going to come out of it mad.
2: <laughs> no heroics into Sandovat,
0: please! <laughs> Wait, that's not my line. The, her- said, the uh,
3: heroics into Sandovat.
0: Mm, mm, mm. No, no. So, <laughs> I... I... I you know, big old F1 cars going into Monaco. Yeah, yeah. good luck. We'll be, we'll be talking about this again next week. I just put that down as a given from now. I'm start- fellas, I'm starting on next week's script now, okay? Oh. Um, <laughs> like, Don't worry. Oh. It'll, it'll, it'll absolutely be relevant by the time we get around to it next week. I promise. Okay? So, uh, notes
2: about penalties, the uh-huh. 50th round of discussion of whether or not this should still be an F1 venue. Yeah. Something no. about <laughs> something about glucose guardians on a yacht. <laughs> something
3: about a
0: uh, something about a horse ending up in the steak and shake. No, oh, we're not doing that. Okay, RJ. Talk to me about IndyCar. <sighs>
2: the IndyCar
0: series celebrated its third different first time winner
2: in just five rounds, and the fifth different winner overall this season, as 20-year-old Renus VK romped through the field at the Grand Prix of Indianapolis to take an excellent victory, the first by a Dutchman in the series since champ card guy and Minardi Team USA alum Robert Dorboss back at Blanc in 2007. Of course, a massive part of the story of the weekend, though, belonged to rookie Romain Grosjean, who took his first pole position in the series and would go on to finish second on the day. His first podium in single-seater since 2015 and just six months on from that horrifying accident in Bahrain that the broadcasters wanted to show every half an hour. But don't worry. They're going to show it half and every half an hour on CBS in front of less audiences if that deal goes through. <laughs> Romain Grosjean oh, wanted to...
3: I'm going to be sick. Romain
2: Grosjean... Mm-hmm. Romy Gojan Kwame after the race and saying, it was so cool to lead the pack and fight for the win. Forgot how much I love that. Thank you, IndyCar and Dale Coyne Racing for reminding me. Now I want more. Blue flags cost us a win, but our day will come. King, with three new winners already and the three youngest drivers in the series winning this season between VK and Colton Herta and Pato Award. just how
1: good is this IndyCar youth movement? Ooh, I'd say we need to wait and see if it sticks, because uh, it feels like we go through this every three or four years, where we got a whole slew of first-time winners, and then two years down the road, where'd they all go? Where'd they all go? They're, all, they're all sitting under Scott Dixon's boot. <laughs> <laughs> He's adapted again like Doomsday in the comic books. Like, oh, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that a number of drivers will stick, and will be in IndyCar long-term but it's not a guarantee that everyone will be around in three years' time.
2: Because before Renis VK came came on the scene, would you have ever imagined back in 2016 when Joseph Newgarden won at Iowa with a broken freaking collarbone that Ed Carpenter Racing wouldn't win another race for five years? And that Uh, in that time (laughs) they would have... Uh, Other promising prospects like Spencer Piggott, like Ed Jones off the back of a Ganassi ride, and those didn't work out. And you're thinking once they brought in Reina's VK last year, you're thinking, well, certainly this has got to work out. And I'm glad that it is working out because he loves this place and he looked excellent, just ripped around Romain Grosjean in the second half of the race. Uh, while Grosjean was having to fight his way through all sorts of crap traffic, whether it be Montoya, Sato, Bourdain. Man, there's a lot of sf one guys in that miss, huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's a situation where, like, yeah, if someone told me that Ed Carpenter Racing wouldn't win another race for five years, I'd be like, so you're telling me Ed Carpenter Racing no longer exists?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> You know, yeah. given us, yeah, given motorsport, that's, that's probably not a million miles away. <laughs> mm. But
3: yeah, I like it, this youth movement. Yeah, mm-hmm. I it, like it a lot.
1: Because you know, we've we've gone through first five races, five different winners, three first-time winners. Uh, yeah, it it feels like a lot of people are uh, putting their putting putting their mark on the season and making sure that they're going to be a name that people don't
0: forget. Yeah. I I said it during IndyCar's much-edited 2020 season at the Harvest Grand Prix where he was wheelbanging with Colton Herter. I said on Twitter at the time, if this is the future of the sport, the sport is in very safe hands. And I stand by that sentiment now. I mean... Renus was superb, absolutely superb. His his pace in open air was su- was fantastic. The 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 series knowledge of clearing the traffic over Grosjean was probably what got him the W on the day. Um, and we'll, we'll get to Grosjean in a minute, but uh, that will that was. Very, very impressively done. Now, that, again, it looked like a guy that had been doing it five years already. He did not put a foot wrong the whole way. we built some spectacular overtakes as well. The, 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 the splitting of the uh, Johnson-Paloo sandwich and him coming oh. through the middle was uh, oh. superb.
2: I don't well, know if that's going to end up on the list of Overtake of the Year nominees, but oh. I've got to say, it's
0: it's at is least the, on the fringe. It, like, it's, it mm. is. Unfortunately, we've had a stacked year where two entries got in last week. It's it's already getting quite <laughs> congested in there. Um, so who knows if that holds up. Uh, but uh, it, yeah, the squad is going to be a hotly contested award this year. We're going to be uh, at knuckleheads over that one in, in come December. But um, yeah, that was a, a, a superb win. And, and yet another fantastic endorsement for racing in America. I mean, this is the same Renus VK that said that, straight up, his family could not afford to race in Europe. Period. And Renis made history. He's the first man to win on every stage of the road to Indy. And now, obviously, the the, the, the Premier class itself... um, I am amazed that
2: he's the first one, given Mm. all the guys who come up through the road of Indy. And we've talked sometimes about how Indy Light sometimes has trouble attracting something resembling a full grid of cards, even in the years where he had dudes like Colton Herta, Patricio Ward, and now Renus VK. But Mm. ultimately, at the end of the day, the best talents still rise to the top regardless if they're racing against 25 other drivers or if they're racing against five other drivers. But we'd like to have a closer to 25 other drivers than five. I think we can all agree on that. Agreed. And we also give our condolences to Jack Harvey, who was on the same uh, tire strategy uh, until a cacophony of, consequ- of sequential errors <sighs> from a failing wheel gun to a deflated tire to a drive through penalty for an improper pit stop took him out of contention for his second podium and probably could have taken him out of contention for that first win.
3: Yeah, he would have been in the fight for the win, were it not for those problems. Uh, Shank is doing good, but Shank has to fix the operational errors because I think that's the second time this year that uh, yeah. issues in the pits have really cost Jack a great result.
0: After that first
2: race in Texas, he was fifth in the standings. He's dropped to 13th. But it's still early oh. days, of course. Anything can still yeah. happen. I want to talk about Roman Grosjean. And... Oh! Folks, oh, Romain Grosjean Bold is back. You know, it I feel like... so good! Can I just say, I like this redemption story of a driver who has been massively ridiculed for on-track mistakes for, like, the bulk of his 10-year IndyCar career who was face-to-face with his own death six months ago in Bahrain, Mm -hmm. uh, that effectively ended his F1 career, apart from the demo run he's going to get with Mercedes later on, that's been reshuffled a bit. Uh, You know, I like that this dude is enjoying racing again. I like that this dude is competing for wins. With a Dale Coyne racing team that, yes, they are they are not going to be on the level of again, Asi or Penske, or Andretti in terms of their resources. But the fact that he is up there competing for victories again is a ringing endorsement of how much fun he is having. And I just want to ask y'all, how big a win is it for IndyCar that Romain Grosjean's up at the front again?
3: Huge. And I know the conversation's going to come up. But we, how quickly we forget that this is a driver who has double-digit podiums in Formula 1, more than most of the current grid, no. and who was phenomenally talented coming into F1, if erratic, and for far too long wasn't able to show the talent that those of us who watched him in 2012 all the way to 2016 saw that he had. Right, because he, and now because he's somewhere where he all, can show that
2: talent. Yeah, because uh, because we our last memories of Romain Rojan before that crash were what dragging out Haas cars that just couldn't work on track, and then before that, his last years were Lotus, where the team couldn't pay its invoices, and he still you got dragging. that podium.
3: Oh. Got that podium at Spa 2015 when the bailiffs were in the paddock ready to
2: shut the team down. He's having so much fun here. I I love this. This is an actual redemption story that you can get behind. You know, other than this driver overcame a season-ending racial slur on Twitch and the greatest (laughs) comeback since Tim Richmond in 87, if you believe some folks.
3: Yeah. Romain Grosjean is a genuinely likable good dude. Yeah. The nicest thing I can say about him more than anything else is Romain Grosjean seems like a genuinely good guy who is enjoying his time in IndyCar, and he deserves that after years upon years of ridicule, and the only time that ridicule stopped was when he literally almost died, and a phenomenal picture taken during the weekend. Him holding his second-place trophy.
0: A, a, a huge... few his shout-out to the brilliant grace Hollers who took that pitch. I had to give yep. that a shout-out on here, because a lot of people didn't. Um, And you've probably seen it already at some point on social media by the time it's been released. But yeah, I want to give a big shout out to Grace Hodders for taking, for me, one of the most powerful images I've seen in motorsport in a long, long time. Holding
3: his second place trophy with a hand absolutely ravaged with scarring from that crash. Mm-hmm. And
0: it's easy it's easy to forget that that was only six months ago. Yep. And yeah. it, it, time goes very, very fast when you, especially when you're sports fans, it, like off seasons come and go very quick. And uh, that was six months ago. That was only November of, of 2021 uh, or 2020, I should say. And to, to follow on from what Cam was saying, once the internet has put you in a box as a driver, it is incredibly hard to escape that moniker. And we saw it with, with people of similar abil- ability, maybe potential, but also guys that were also... I, I think back to Pastor Maldonado, who I look back and I go, he really wasn't that bad in the grand scheme of things. But of course, every week, if he had a debatable one, it was like, oh, look, it's Pastor at it again. And and he and was a driver
3: who just as well, after his F1 career ended, when won the twenty four hours of Daytona in class,
2: yeah, that's a, and that's incidentally a thing was the
3: old <laughs> and incidentally was the only person in that car who didn't crash the car over the course of twenty four hours. And I would have loved to see
2: what he could have done in IndyCar. car. He came close to a couple opportunities, just never came through. Yeah. Oh look, my goodness. It is. So once, King, once, it's gonna yeah. be a while until we see him back in an Indy car because, of course, he's not doing the five hundred. His buddy Pietro Fittipaldi is doing that in fifty one car. You do you get the feeling that that first win is just. Right around the corner for Romain Grosjean.
1: I I don't know because the one thing about IndyCar is it's so unpredictable. A team could have uh, a tremendously quick car one weekend and be off the pace the next. I I could like it. It generally feels like it's gonna happen sometime this the season, but you can never be a hundred percent sure.
2: Yeah, we're coming back to Detroit. The next uh, pair of road and street races is the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix. And I recall that a certain Mike Conway won a Dale Coin back in 2013, at least won half of those doubleheaders. So there is precedent. Yeah. And Grosjean is of that caliber of driver. But it, like you said, it, it, that's the thing about IndyCar. It's so unpredictable. I mean, look at Aero McLaren SP's weekend. Paddle Award went uh, from being the talk of the second race at Texas Motor Speedway to being the best driver in 15th place for an otherwise forgettable weekend where Juan Pablo Montoya is grand return to the series after 4 years out and he doesn't even crack the top 20 all day.
3: Lop down qualified mm-hmm. by Jimmy Johnson who you know we love Jimmy on the show but man he is having a hell of a time in IndyCar and <sighs> I mean to that effect. Chipkin Ganassi Racing really looked rough. They recovered a bit in the race, but Dixon was nowhere in qualifying and needed to run on a very aggressive alternate strategy to get
0: anywhere up the field. Yeah. Scott Dixon! Uh, and yet, still finished ninth and still leads the championship by 13 points because Scott Dixon! <laughs> yeah. The Dixon effect. The Dixon effect. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's... that Again, going back to the arena's point earlier it just highlights the great thing about IndyCar. It is so competitive that weekends like this will swing on a dime. You will have de- you will have back-to-back weekends where Pato looks like a million bucks winning around a dodgy oval in Texas, and then a week and a half oh. later, he's taking an escape road at the first lap of a four-wide at Indianapolis. Oof. Because that's just IndyCar for you, where consistency is so, so important because... Paddle Awards last two weekends are the walk-in examples of how we can all go wrong extremely quickly. Oh, ask Connor Daly. He'll tell you all yeah. about that one. Yeah, and If you I, want
3: consistency, Scott Dixon is your man. I
0: was about to say, like, just to
2: put a ball on this, like, Drake, would you agree that IndyCar is, like, the Premier League of, of major open wheel racing series because like yeah it's still like the same four or five six cars or teams that end up competing for the title every year but on any given weekend anybody can win a race well,
0: yeah leicester city does roll up every once in a <coughs> while um you know and congrats on their fa cup win by the way uh that was awesome uh suck it chelsea um but uh yeah i mean i, I think i think that's a, Perfect analogy. Like, yeah, the, the cream does rise to the top in IndyCar. It is the usual names that you know you will see in the top five or six. But there is room if a if someone different can put together a, you know some strong rounds that they can feature in there. I'll give you a prime example of this. Who was sixth in the championship last year? Graham Ray Hall. I think he's the top bomb- fives every week. Yeah, because and I think he only had one podium the entire, and that was at Indianapolis. And he, he just he put together some solid results, and he was rewarded for it. Um, last year we had Pato Award and Colton Herter in the top four, like, and yeah. we were we had it didn't feel like it, but because of their results, it all just came together. There is wiggle room. Oh my. For big seasons in there, if you can string results together, that's the most important thing about IndyCar because it is so erratic, a series. It's so competitive. Well, oh, I reckon there's well. four, there's fourteen or fifteen cars that can win on any given day. um Jack Harvey should have was as a as a contender for a race win here. This is no disrespect to Jack Harvey, but it's because he's never a guy you're probably going to pick to win a race, but. He's performing really well this season, but the results just haven't been there. But you, you get the gist. It's there's enough wiggle room for a Leicester City to climb the ranks if they can put it all together, and that's
3: the beautiful thing about and the a series. lot of that, and a lot of that has to do with uh, the big one coming up in a couple of weeks. Cause uh, this was a very worthy beginning for the month of May at Indianapolis. 8,500 Practice weeks. begins this week.
2: Yep. Time trials week after. Points are on offer for the fast nine. Double points for the race. This is going to be a big one in terms of the championship. And of course, to sometimes to the series detriment, it's the biggest race of the year. Yeah. By an order
3: of magnitude. It's one of
0: the biggest races on planet Earth. Indeed. And bump day is back this year as well, because the, the oh, official yes. entry list is out, and it's 35 strong. So, uh... Not everyone people, will be making the rice
3: Two people, we don't know who, because Indianapolis works in mysterious ways. Sometimes your Lotus is IndyCar program, sometimes your
0: Team Penske. But two people are going home this year. No no one knows, and that's the beautiful and awful thing about Bump Day, and we will be talking about that on next week's show, as well as a little bit of a preview towards the 500 as well. We know, obviously, you know a lot more about what's going to be happening on, by the time we get to next week. Also, there's some flagship Formula 1 race this weekend. Apparently, it's at Monaco. I mean, who's excited for that after what happened last week? I mean, I'm... Well, yeah, I'm, I'm very
1: excited for the Bump Day pre-race show.
0: I'm yeah, excited so, yeah. for the steak
2: and shake.
3: You know, I'm excited <laughs> okay? to see one last qualifying lap with these big, stupid, fast cars around Monaco. But the race itself.
0: Pass. Tune Anyone in for, for and Monaco, Shake. Yeah, tune in for Monaco qualifying on Saturday. That's awesome. Tune in for Steak and Shake. <laughs> and let's be real
3: uh, whoever qualifies on pole, and we should have a legitimate fight for pole this year, probably winning the race probably. I was devastated to learn that
2: this is a different steak and shake for the one that exists in America. I mean, I know it's ah! the same name, but I, I looked at it was like, yeah, this is a much more bougie steak and shake than the one I'm used to. And it's not just because it's set in Monaco.
0: Oh, that was a... The, the, that, that's going to be fun. So yeah, football One yeah. at Monaco and uh, bump day for the 500. That'll be the predominant features into next week's show. Looking forward to spending 45 minutes on Bump Day and about 10 on Monaco. I'm getting that set up right here and now. Um, But uh, that'll put a bow on episode 305, the MVP Mr. Worldwide Edition. Basically you can find us one more time real quick. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, Twitter. At motorsport underscore 101 I handles one more time at harrison 101 hd rj o'connell at ryan eric king at c buckley 917 and if you really really like us you can back us financially on patreon patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five dollars for all the audio shows 10 bucks for the video version and live recordings as well on discord Um, yep, on website as well, motorsport101.com, I put a piece up there about Jack Miller, um, and his career, even more prominent now, he's won a second race in a row, I I wrote about him, and the power of betting on yourself, it could easily be a video by the time this goes out as well, if I can find time, um, so that'll be up there as well, so check that out if you haven't seen it already, I've been Andre Harrison, we'll be back for Bump Day, until then, I've been Dre Harrison, they've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan Eric King, and Cam Buckley. Sayonara. We're
2: vibing, y'all!
0: Bye!
3: Vibin' at the steak and shake. Eat a burger, drink a shake, catch some Formula One front wing bits.